Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. lot. It has been said that truth is different for everyone, but I want to beg to differ this morning. I want to say this, truth is truth because it's truth across the board. And man, I, I, I need you to understand that that's what makes it truth. In fact, the reason that we call it the law of gravity is because it works everywhere. Amen. If you don't believe that, I want to challenge you today at some point to climb up on your roof and jump off and let's see if it's truth or not that there's gravity, right? What makes it truth is that it's truth everywhere. And so what I want to say to you today, this morning is this, is that there is a standard of truth by which we as believers adhere to. The, the problem with people saying that truth is relative to everybody and everybody gets to pick their own truth is this. There's nothing to judge that by. What makes it truth is that there is a standard by which we judge whether it's truth. And I just want to make sure you understand that the declaration that we continue to make from this pulpit, but not just as a sermon, as truth is this. Our standard is the Word of God. That standard will never change. If you are a believer, if you claim to know God, then your standard of truth will always be the Word of God. So what that means then is this. Just because we don't like the truth doesn't make it any less the truth. Uh, all right? And just because uh, the, the, the truth doesn't line up with my experience or my feelings doesn't make it any less truth. Amen, I, I can't, because uh, uh, there's this movement going across the nation and across the world that it's only truth if I agree with it or if it lines up with my experience. But the reality is, is that it is truth because it's in the Word of God, whether I like it or not. In fact, it's truth whether I can handle it or not. Okay, so it's, it's tied in. So, so what I want to do is this, this right here. Over the course of the next few weeks, I want to drop some truth bombs. Okay, and you say, well, what's a truth bomb? For those of you that are out of the know, let me give you the definition of a truth bomb. A truth bomb is this. It is a fact spoken in clear, easy to understand terms without bias. So what I want to do is to the very best of my ability, and there's some questions about that at time, but at the very best of my ability, I want to speak truth to you and be very clear about what we're trying to say. So, so we're not going to mince words. We're not going to play games. We're talking. We're just going to lay the truth out there for you, okay? Uh, th the reason that is important is because we know this already as truth. We know that truth is always the basis for freedom, right? Y'all know that? I mean, we know that, right? Because most of you can uh, quote this, 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 this concept out of Scripture, uh, truth will set you free, right? So, so then there's a logical conclusion that we can make then if, if we recognize that truth will set us free, then there's also a logical conclusion that we can come to on the, on the flip side. Lack of truth will keep you in bondage. Okay, we just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here, right? So we need truth because truth is the basis for our freedom. And, and lack of truth keeps us bound. Now, I also want you to all understand uh, there's another concept you need to understand, and, is the, and that is this, is not only will truth make you free, 
a lot of times it will make you miserable before it makes you free. Do I have any witnesses in the house that you've heard a truth and it made you absolutely miserable before it ever set you free? Okay, because we've got to wrestle with truth. So the, the passage of Scripture for our consideration this morning is rather lengthy, but um, I believe it sets the, the, the stage for the truth bomb that I want to drop on you this morning. So if you want to, you can join me in Acts chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 3, and we're going to read down through verse 24. Listen to what it says. And Saul just went wild, devastating the church, entering house after house after house, dragging men and women off to jail. And he forced them to leave, that, that forced them to leave home base. The followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. Going down to a certain Samaritan city, Philip proclaimed the message of the Messiah. And when the people heard what he had said and saw the miracles, the clear signs of God's actions, they hung on his every word. And many who could neither stand nor walk were healed that day. And the evil spirits protested loudly as they were sent on their way. And what joy in the city. Previous to Philip's arrival, a certain Simon had practiced magic in the city, posing as a famous man and dazzling all the Samaritans with his wizardry. He had them all, from the little children to the old men, eating out of his hand. They all thought he had a supernatural that he all that they all thought he had supernatural powers, and they called him the great wizard. He had been around a long time, and everyone was more or less in awe of him. But when Philip came to town, announcing the news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simon and were baptized, becoming believers right and left. Even Simon himself believed and was baptized. And from that moment, he was like Philip's shadow, so fascinated uh, with all of God's signs and miracles that he wouldn't leave Philip's side. When the apostles, now notice what happens here. There's a break here. It's, there's no break in the, in the uh, account, but you've got to understand we're talking about time here. Notice what happens. When the apostles in Jerusalem received the report, so they, somebody has to send a report back, and by the way, they didn't have internet, and they didn't have Facebook, and nobody Snapchatted what was going on, all right? They had to send a message back. That they, they send a message back about what's happening in Samaria, that Samaria had accepted God's message. They sent Peter and John, and they didn't have airplanes, so it took them a little bit. All right, everybody with me? So they sent Peter and John down to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, they had only been baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen on them. Then the apostles laid their hands on them, and they did receive the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the apostles, by merely laying on hands, conferred the Spirit, he pulled out his money, excited, and said, Sell me your secret. Show me how you did that. How much do you want? Name your price. Peter said, To hell with your money, and you along with it. Why, that's unthinkable, trying to buy God's gift. You'll never be, of what, be a part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering buy, bribes. Change your ways and now. Ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. I can see this is an old habit with you. You reek with money lust. Oh, said Simon, pray for me. Pray to the master that nothing like that will ever happen to me. This is an incredibly powerful passage of Scripture and a powerful account. What you have is you basically have a man that has control of an entire city through the use of sorcery, through magic and tricks and 
schemes, he has convinced the people of that city that he is a great wizard. Then what takes place, we read, is that Philip arrives on the scene and he begins to preach about Jesus. And Simon, according to the account, has an, a truth encounter with Jesus. In fact, he is instantly impacted. He becomes an instant follower. The follower there's instant change in his life. But we also know that then after a period of time when the apostles find out what's going on, they send John and Peter down to see what's happening. And now when he sees them laying hands on people and them getting filled with the Holy Spirit, Simon reverts back to what he's always known. In fact, I read it to you out of the message translation, which there's an interesting statement to me. This is the interesting statement. It says that Peter responds to Simon's request with this. I can see this is an old habit with you. Okay. All right. I want you to stop and think about that statement right there just for a moment. In one brief statement, you get a glimpse of what is taking place in this account. Here's the account. Simon walks away from his sorcery business. He claims to have an encounter with Jesus. His life has been changed. And then a week later, two weeks later, however long it took for the apostles to get there, now all of a sudden he falls back into old habits. Okay. Um. Are you ready for the truth bomb? Can you handle the truth? Because what this does, by this one statement of, you went back to your old habits, from watching a man who has tricked everyone to now having an encounter with Jesus and changing his ways, two or three weeks later, month later, six months later, now to reverting back to his old habits, he reveals to us a truth. And here it is. I'm going to drop it on you. I hope you can handle it. Dormant does not mean delivered. Simon's issues were dormant, but it is apparent that he had not been delivered. In a blink of an eye, he reverts back to his old habits. And, and, and so what we, can, what we can assess from this account is simply this. The power of Jesus had been allowed to change him, but the power of Jesus had not been allowed to unchain him. How many of us are there? Too many of us are walking through our daily lives and we've experienced an, an, an encounter with Jesus and he's changed us. But instead of allowing Jesus to set us free, we sing a lot about freedom today. But what we do is we sing about freedom, but we don't experience freedom. We allow Jesus to set us free, but, and we allow Jesus to move into our home, but we never allow Jesus to clean out our house. And so we revert back to old habits. Okay, it's quiet. I, I think if we're not careful, what we do is we go, well, this was a new believer. He hadn't been a believer that long. But before you make the mistake of saying, well, it was just because he hadn't had much training, he just hadn't had much teaching, may I submit to you that if you read through Scripture, what you discover is that time and time and time again, it is, it is proven that dormant doesn't mean delivered. All you have to do is go back into the Old Testament and read the story of Samson. And what you see is a young man who's chosen by God to be a judge who is anointed to be judged. 
He is, he is used by God. In fact, over and over and over again, he's used by God. And in fact, if you really read his, script, his story in Scripture, what you discover is that he went through a long season of being very obedient to God and very committed to God. But then uh, it seems like every time after a long season of obedience, then all of a sudden all these issues that were dormant in his life would resurface and he would mess it up. So it's not just a new, new concept. In fact, you can continue in the Old Testament and you read about King Saul. King Saul was appointed and anointed, hand-picked, hand-selected by God. He did a lineup and picked him out over everyone else. He picked him out. The only one in the whole kingdom picked him out. And then the Bible says that Saul stood shoulder to shoulder with prophets and began to prophesy. So he was anointed. And yet, after being called and anointed and used by God. Dormant issues begin to come to the surface in his life and destroy him. Are y'all here this morning? Okay, you say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, let's go in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, all you have to do is read about Demas. Unknown figure almost, just very briefly mentioned. Uh, the, the context is this. Barnabas and Paul are getting ready to go on a missionary journey, and Demas goes with them, right-hand man, hard worker, diligent believer, disciplined in, in disciple. Uh, he, he's, he's with them, and yet they, he is on the missionary trip of his life. Right? It's not like he went, to, he went to Guatemala with some goober. He, 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 he didn't go to Brazil with some bum. I mean, he's, he's like uh, on, on the missionary journey of his life. He's on a missionary trip with Paul. Paul, the Paul. And the Bible says that right in the middle of their missionary journey, he turned and ran home. And the context or the idea there is that he also returned to his childhood gods that he was familiar with. Dormant issues, even after he's experienced an encounter with Jesus. So let's talk about us. Jesus is the way and the truth. Okay, six of you knew it. Maybe that's why we can't handle truth. Jesus is the way and the Okay. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, right? What is all that? That's Scripture, right? That is the truth that we can embrace and experience. But what I am suggesting to you today is that just having an encounter with Jesus, which makes you socially acceptable at church, and having an encounter with Jesus that deals with your eternal destination only, Having an encounter with Jesus that makes you feel better about yourself. And I'm going to mess your theology up right now with two word, three words. It's not enough. That is not enough. Many of you, if not all of you, I guess Pastor Woody asked if anyone was in here that didn't believe in Jesus. And I don't know if anybody raised their hand or not, but, but if nobody raised their hand, that means every, every single one of us have had an encounter with Jesus that dealt with our eternal destination. But that's not enough. That is not enough. If you don't allow Jesus to do a delivering work in your life, then may I submit to you that you have only embraced half the truth. You haven't gone far enough. 
The re- Please, I, I didn't put this in your notes. I probably should have because I think this is an incredibly powerful statement that you need to understand. But I want you to listen very carefully. The result of knowing the saving side of Jesus and never experiencing the delivering side of Jesus is that issues will lie dormant in your life and then at the worst possible moment, they will resurface. Can I get some help? Somebody that's experienced that in their life where they thought they had it all together because they followed Jesus. And in the worst possible moment, like when your kids were listening, when the neighbors were watching, all of a sudden these dormant issues rise up in our life and they become exposed. I believe it's apparent that many of us need deliverance. I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm questioning your freedom. Because in a moment of stress, in a moment of pain, in a moment of confrontation, things that are dormant will rise to the surface if you haven't dealt with them. When we worship and we still battle addiction, then we need to be delivered. When when we worship and we still deal and struggle with bad attitudes, then can I tell you we need to be delivered. Can I tell you this morning that when we worship but we still do things that we don't want to do and that we shouldn't do, then we need to be delivered. Can I tell you that we must come to grips with the truth that we aren't delivered when alcohol still has control of our life? Can I tell you that we need to be delivered when we're still battling anger and it rules over our life? Can I tell you that we need to be delivered when lust looms in our life? Can I tell you that we need to be delivered when depression is apparent in our life and we battle on a daily basis? Can I tell you that we need to be delivered when bitterness is worn like a badge? Can I tell you that we need to be delivered when gossip is our go-to? Can I tell you we need to be delivered when we don't love people like we should? Can I tell you we need to be lived be delivered when we're bound with prejudice and hate and racism can i tell you that we need to be delivered when we can see people in pain and we don't respond we've got to be not just saved we need to be delivered listen this morning i want to tell you that allowing our issues to remain dormant simply means we are practicing cover-up rather than practicing clean-out. Uh, we've, we've learned a powerful lesson this week uh, dealing with one of the houses that we own over here that uh, you can cover some stuff up, but it's better to clean it out. <laughs> uh, Pastor Woody would attest to that because we just found out that that second house we own over there has a septic tank. We didn't know that. And apparently the people that owned owned it before us didn't care that it had a septic tank and it had not been cleaned out in probably 15 years. How many of you know you can cover that up for a little while, but eventually what's dormant doesn't mean it's been dealt with, right? And and so all of a sudden we discover that just covering up is not enough. At some point, you've got to clean some stuff out. And what I am saying to you, the truth that I'm trying to lay on you this morning is that just being clean on the outside and just saying, well, I'm going to heaven now is not enough. You've got to allow Jesus to clean everything out of your life. I'm so glad you're saved. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to know anybody in your family to go to hell. I don't want your friends to go to hell. I don't want your neighbors to go to hell. But listen, I don't want you just to be saved. I also want you to be 
delivered. What are you still dealing with even though you've met Jesus? Because I'm not questioning whether you met Jesus or not. I'm just asking you, what are you dealing with even though you've met him? What surfaces? What is alive under the surface that has the ability to, to destroy you openly? You can either, here's your options. You can do your best to continue to bury it. You can doctor it up. You can deny it. Or you can bring it out in the open and deal with it. And some of us have been saved for decades. But during the decades that we've been saved, we've never really experienced the truth of freedom. Jesus is not only a Savior, and I'm thankful. Listen, don't get me wrong. Anybody glad that Jesus is a Savior? Man, I'm thankful. But that's not all he is. He is also a deliverer. And what I've learned is this, is that the reason that things continue to surface, that, and, and Jesus is usually involved in that, by the way, it's called conviction. It's called conscience. All given by God. Why does that stuff continue to surface? It's, it, it, we think it's to make us look fake. Well, they'll think I'm a fake. No, that's not why it continues to resurface. We, we think it, it continues to resurface to make us miserable. And although it should make us miserable, that's not the end game. The reason that it continues to surface in our life is so that it will become apparent so we will address it. Because here's what I want to submit to you this morning is that most of us have been, become very, very comfortable with our confinement. Because we know we're going to heaven, we don't want to deal with the chains we live with on a daily basis. And what I have discovered is this, is that it is exposed so that we will dig it out. And that we will bring it to Jesus for deliverance. Listen to me. I, I just want to share some truth with you this morning. I want to tell you that deliverance is never found in denial. Never. In fact, I begin to think about Scripture. And I begin to go back through the accounts of the miracles that Jesus did. And you know what I've discovered? I can't say 100%. In fact, I'm going to give you one example I think would probably not be born out of what I'm getting ready to say. So 99 point, I'll say 99.5 in case I've missed another one. All right, because the one I can think of is the woman at the well. That's the only one I can think of. But in all the other accounts, now please forgive me if I'm wrong, but in all the other accounts, at least from my estimation, Jesus deals with people who have obvious issues. Think about that, okay? Let the computer go. Lepers are obviously in need of a touch because they got stuff falling off. Right? It's obvious. Blind folks need to be touched because it's obvious they can't see. Lame folks need to be touched because it's obvious they can't walk. Dead folks, it's obvious they need to be touched because, like, they're a corpse. And they're dead. Oh, and by the way, they're in the tomb. That's pretty obvious. 
over and over and over and over again, other than the woman at the well that I can't, again, 99.5, all of it was obvious. I even thought about the woman with the issue of blood who snuck up on Jesus. He heals her, but even her issue was obvious because she wasn't supposed to be on the same side of the street he was on because she was unclean. So obvious needs. What does that mean? It means that denial never produces deliverance. And you can go through your your entire life going, I don't have an issue with that. That's not my issue. That's not my problem. I'm not in chains. Nobody knows. I've got it all cleaned up. I cleaned up real nice on Sunday when they asked me how I was doing. I said, I was blessed, so certainly I must be blessed. my, my, My spouse, I've even fooled my spouse. He doesn't know what I'm dealing with. She doesn't know what I'm dealing with. My best friends don't know what I'm dealing with. I've got everybody fooled. Except for Jesus. But Jesus won't deal with what we won't deal with. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus drops a truth bomb. In Luke chapter 4. We know this passage. You know this passage. And we always quote the first part and we leave out the last part. Listen to what happens. Jesus is at church. And they hand him the Bible. It was a scroll, but they hand him the Bible. And he didn't look it up on Bible Gateway or version. He knew exactly where to go. He scrolls through to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. And listen to the truth bomb. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. To heal the heartbroken, to announce freedom. He's dealt with healing. He's dealt with salvation. And now he says, I'm here to announce freedom. We've settled for salvation. And he says, I'm here to announce freedom to all the captives and pardon for all the prisoners. Now, we don't quote it like that because we all learned it in King James. I'm not about to try to quote it because I'm, I'm, I'd mess it all up. But you know that passage of Scripture. But we never finish it. Because here's the truth bomb. Jesus says, today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he's saying, I have arrived and I'm declaring to you that not only am I able to save, but I'm also able to deliver. And here's the truth bomb. That passage, that prophetic messianic passage about what the Messiah would do. He stands up and he takes the scroll and he reads Isaiah chapter 61 verse verse 1, which they knew. And he says, here's the truth bomb. That's me that that's talking about. And then he drops the mic. And walks off the stage. And what we do is we stand in pulpits and we read in our private time Isaiah 61 verse 1 that Jesus has the ability to save us and that he has the ability to heal us and that he has the ability to deliver us. And we don't get to the drop the mic moment where he says, It's fulfilled in your hearing today. So my question is simply this this morning. Very simple question. As concise truth bomb moment as I can make it. Has he fulfilled 
that messianic promise and proclamation in your life? Has the reality of his ability to not only save and to heal, but to deliver come to pass in your life today? And if the answer is no, I've got dormant issues in my life that I can't seem to deal with, then I'm thankful you got saved and I'm thankful that you got healed. But you haven't embraced all of truth because the last part of the truth is, yes, he wants to save you. Yes, he wants to heal you. But he also wants to set you completely free today. Not when you get to heaven. Not when you mature to some some echelon of believers and I know enough. No, He wants to deliver you today so that all the dormant issues of your life are brought to the surface and He sets you free. Listen to me this morning and then I'll be quiet. Listen, you don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to be a drug addict. You don't have to be addicted to porn. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to give up. You don't have to live like you've always lived. I'm saved, but are you delivered? Are you delivered? And the only way to get deliverance is to let the one that can deliver you, deliver you. And I can't do that. But Jesus can. But the only way he will do it is when you're honest. And let me just let you off the hook this morning. Make it easy for you. We're not questioning your salvation. I'm only questioning your freedom. I know, let me make it real, make it even easier for you. This probably applies to all of us. Because all of us have dormant things in our life that we need to deal with. And in the moment that we least expect it, they will rise to the surface. So that we will embrace this truth that Jesus is not only Savior, He's Deliverer. I'm going to pray over you, then we're going to take some time and pray this morning. And we're going to pray very specifically. Not for salvation. And we may get around to praying for healing, but we're not here even for that this morning. What I'm believing for is that some of you that have been bound with issues for a long, long time, that some people may not even know about. We'll bring it to Jesus and allow him to deliver. Father, this morning I pray that we would embrace this truth. I'm praying that we would not be a group of people or individuals that have embraced half-truth, that have only experienced you as Savior. God, I'm thankful that under the sound of my voice, there are people in this room who have had a, a, a saving encounter with you. I'm thankful that our final destination has been dealt with. I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful that there are people in this room 
who have been healed, that were battling physical ailments, and yet because of the stripes you bore on the cross, before you went on the cross, the stripes that you took on your back have produced healing for us. But Father, I pray that we would recognize this, that if we can trust what you said about our salvation, and we trust what you said about our physical healing, then we can also trust you to be all of the truth that you said you were. And the truth is, is that you said that not only could you save and heal, but you said that you could set prisoners free. And that who you set free would be free indeed. And so this morning, I pray for each one of us that are dealing with dormant issues, stuff that we like to cover up and hide that we don't want anybody to know about. I pray this morning that in a moment of truth, we would embrace our issue. We would let it rise to the surface so that we could experience you in the fullness of who you say you are. You are our deliverer. I pray that you would deliver us this morning. If you're here this morning, you'd be honest and you say, Steve, I have dormant issues in my life that I need Jesus to set me free from. It could be an anger issue. It could be a lust issue. It could be an addiction. It could be a depression. It could be an attitude. It doesn't really matter. You would just say, I need Jesus to deliver me this morning. I recognize there's an, there is an aspect of embarrassment and a public persona that we like to keep. But deliverance is never found in denial. If that is you, and by the way, I'm already standing. If that is you, and you say, I have a dormant issue that I want Jesus to deal with once and for all, whether it's been dormant for 30 years or three days. I want him to deal with it once and for all and set me free. I want you to stand right where you are. Just stand. needs the truth is Lord is that the issues that we are dealing with have been obvious to you all along they just weren't obvious to us Father I pray that you would see the bravery and the absolute honesty and transparency of each individual that's standing and God, I pray that what you would recognize in this moment of standing is that 
there's a real sense of desperation expressed by our willingness to stand. That what we're really saying is that we are desperate to experience you in the fullness of who you say you are. I'm desperate to live life unchained, free from bondage, free from looking over my shoulder hoping nobody will know, free from the idea that it will never change, free from the concept that it will always be like this, I will always struggle with this, I will always battle this, I will always lose to this. No, Father, I pray that what would happen in this very moment, Jesus, is that you would walk into this room as the deliverer, the one who has the ability to set prisoners completely free. Let freedom reign in our hearts this morning, I pray. I pray that chains would fall off and that once and for all, it would be like like. A new day, once and for all. These things that have been dormant in our life and that we have probably, we've probably prayed about them before. That's the truth. Most of us have probably prayed about these issues before. In fact, Father, many of us have gone to altar after altar after altar after altar after altar saying, God, set me free. And yet, For whatever reason, we still feel bad. But God, I'm asking that the declaration that Jesus made about himself in Isaiah chapter 61, I'm praying that today, that that passage of Scripture, that prophetic proclamation that Jesus made about his own ability and who he was, I'm praying that it would be fulfilled in our hearing today. And I'm praying right now that addictions would fall off in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you that depression would be broken in the freedom-inducing name of Jesus. God, I'm asking that distractions would fall off in the name of Jesus. God, I'm praying that the power of alcohol would be broken in the name of Jesus. I'm praying that the power of tobacco would be broken in the name of Jesus. I'm praying that the power of pornography would be broken in the name of Jesus. I'm praying that the battle with lust would be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray that prejudice would be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray that anger would fall off in the name of Jesus. I pray that anxiety would cease and desist in the name of Jesus. Let our now obvious needs be dealt with. In Jesus' name. If you're around someone that is standing would you just lay your hands on them right now? You're probably going to have to move, but that's okay. Would you just reach out and lay your hand and agree with them? There's power in agreement this morning. Father, we agree with one another that this dormant issue that we have been battling, some of us have been battling for decades, would be broken 
would be dealt with, would be dug out in the name of Jesus once and for all. God, that this would be a freedom day for us. That this would be a freedom day for us once and for all. Freedom would rule. Freedom would reign. Freedom would rise in our hearts and in our spirit this morning. And we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's a renewed, restored, Would you seal deliverance with worship this morning? Would you begin to thank Him for the freedom that He's producing in your life right now? Chains have fallen off. I hear the sound of chains falling off in worship. I hear the sound of chains being broken once and for all. It's more. It's more. It's more than enough. Come on, tell him. More than enough. It's, it's more, more than enough. Oh, it's more. More than enough. It's again one more time. Would you embrace everything that Jesus can do? Thank you, Jesus. may we embrace the saving the healing and the deliverance 
that comes and is our right and our heritage when we are in relationship with you. So this morning, Father, we bring our movers to you. We ask that you save them, that you would cause them to want the saving relationship that they can have with you. I pray that they would come into contact with us and see someone that's so saved that they want what we have. And God, I pray that we would become carriers of deliverance. That when we come into contact with people, whether they are in relationship with you or not, doesn't really matter. But we see that they're dealing with issues in their life. I pray that we would become carriers of your deliverance and we would speak freedom. We would not become comfortable with their condition and we would not buy the lie that they will always be like that. But instead, we would be the ones that would step in the room and say, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. You can be free. I ask you to use this that way. Father, I pray this morning that we would be able to embrace the healing power of Jesus. God, there are folks in this room right now that desperately need a healing touch. There are various degrees, Father. There are those in this room like myself who are battling a cold or allergies or whatever it is. I still need healing. And I know that you care about us enough that even the smallest concerns. So I pray for those folks that need that kind of healing. I pray for many that are still at home, sick. But Father, there are also people in this room and under the sound of our voice and that we are in relationship with that are facing even bigger battles. But your blood is more than enough. And so Father, we come against though the, the sickness that some are dealing with and facing that are called by names that scare us. Names like cancer, heart issues, immune issues. But we elevate your lordship over those things and we know that you are more than able. And so we come against cancer. We curse it in the name of Jesus. We come against heart issues in the name of Jesus and we curse them. We come against immune issues and we curse them. We believe that you can heal. Because you're more than enough. So we speak life where everyone else has spoken death. Those are obvious needs. And you specialize in obvious needs. I pray that you would live up to the proclamation that you made about yourself, Jesus. Be fulfilled in our hearing today. And we will praise you for it. And give you glory for it. Because it belongs to you alone. And everybody said, Amen. Would you find somebody right now, look them square in the eyes and say, I'm not just saved. 
I happen to be delivered. Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.